You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. Good morning, church. There we go. I'm so glad to see you all. Guys, again, I'm going to drop this hint several times. It's Valentine's Day, guys. I want to just keep reminding you through the service what it is. So, okay, all right. Well, you know, when you get to the point Tanya and I are at in our love life, I love her double on Valentine's Day on February 15th. That's why I always tell her, so if you can just hold off one day, I can love you twice as much as what I can pay for on Valentine's Day. You see what I'm saying? Nothing says love like 50% off chocolate. You know, that is the ultimate way to spell love. Again, you guys are wondering how I've been married 24 years, and rightfully so. I'd like to share a little story before I send the, the teens off. And this is, uh, we've getting our new series today called Good News. And this is good news that we need to share. You all know that uh, in June of last year, our, at our St. Albans campus, we opened up a transitional home uh, for men struggling with addiction. And uh, here, here's some good news to share. It said, uh, this week, Sean, one of our men in our recovery house, achieved six months of sobriety. Dennis told me that Mark, the other guy that is living there also, recently achieved two years of sobriety. So that's a big yay God right there for those guys. He said, um, and we also welcome a new resident this week named JW that our people can be praying for. He mentioned how thankful he is for this house and to, the help, uh, to help him enter his recovery. This house and Dennis, who's our, on staff, he's our uh, building uh, superintendent over the other campuses that where we have buildings and then also he runs this uh, transitional ministry, is making a huge difference in the lives of these men. And I just think, yay, God, that's great news. So let's give God and these guys a round of applause. And before I send the teens over to be with Scotty on Valentine's Day, I thought I'd share um, how Tanya and I met. I think that's only appropriate. Um, just so you all, if you were wondering, hey, if Tanya and I didn't meet you two there standing and doing that, you wouldn't be here, all right? So you ought to be thankful for this story, okay? Um, but I was the, I just accepted the summer internship as the youth minister at Brownstown Christian Church in Brownstown, Indiana. Yeah, you probably don't know where that's at. It's about 10 miles uh, west of Seymour, Indiana, and uh, Seymour, you all would know John Mellencamp. That's where John Mellencamp's from, uh, small town. So yes, it's small town, small community, farm town. So I drive up, and I'm driving in my 1990 S10 uh, blue pickup truck. How tough was that? 4.3 liter V6 Vortec. Scotty, you with me? All right, so I come cruising up, and I'm going to be staying. They, the way they did the internship, they had the youth minister uh, in, in uh, seven different people's homes over the summer. So you spent like two weeks with somebody, and then you moved out and took all your belongings and moved out with another person. Well, I first started off with Rick Clark and his wife in uh, their house, and he was the youth minister at Brownstown. So I pull up in my S10. I'm unloading my crates. That's why I put all my stuff in. I didn't have backpacks and bags. I just had like clothes, and you know, at that time, I did need shampoo, uh, and I had it in crates, and I was loading up in Rick's house, and all of a sudden, Rick's house was right here, and then across the street was Brownstown Christian Church Daycare. And I saw the kids out there playing, and all of a sudden, there's this voice. It was angelic, and it says, hey, hey, Rob. I'm like, Rob? I don't know this person. She goes, hey, Rob. And I'm like, I'm not Rob. And she goes, Rob, it's 
Tanya, come here. And Tanya was working at the daycare, was on the playground, and she thought I was some other dude named Rob. So I come getting closer to her, and she goes, oh, you're not Rob. And I said, no, I'm not, but you're Tanya. <laughs> and so I uh, got to know her, and she was working at the daycare, and I was the intern, and uh, she was going to uh, the uh, Brownstown, no, the Freetown Church of Nazarene is what church she grew up in. And uh, uh, the story goes, and Tanya's doing children's ministry this morning, so you all will go fact check me. That's fine. But the story is, I played it cool. I told my uncle, I said, I'm going there for ministry and for the Lord. I said, I don't want nothing to do with girls. I just broke up with this girl that, and I was dating for like two years. I said, I am not going to have anything to do with girls. Three months later, I was engaged. And uh, my uncle loves that to tell that story. But I'll let you all go ask Tanya who asked who out, all right? Just, I'm just going to stick with my story. It wasn't this guy who asked who made the first move. So anyways, that's our story. So Sam, Eli, you ought to be thankful for that story. Phoebes, you all wouldn't be here without that story. Teens, go ahead and go with Scotty. Have a good time. All right. It is interesting that we start this series out on a day that we have set aside as we call Valentine's Day. And this is good news. Everybody's in a good frame of mind um, on Valentine's Day. Like I said, uh, I've tried to convince Tanya that, that Valentine's Day is the 15th, and she's still not going for it. So, but, but I think we need good news in a world that's filled with so much bad news. And coming right off the series that we just came off of, of encouraging everybody to just kind of stick to it and hold in there together, um, I think this is an appropriate series. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some good news. You know, I, I, I go back to that day at Brownstown. That was really good news in my life that day, you know, uh, when I got the chance to meet Tanya. And as good as that news is, the best news I ever received was also on Valentine's Day of 1990, because that's the day that my mom and I both gave our lives to Jesus Christ, and we were baptized for the remissions of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was at Greenwood Christian Church. And that news, as great as the news was when I heard, hey, Rob, <laughs> the news that I responded to the gospel of how much Jesus loves me, that's the best news that I've ever been told. And that news is what we're going to talk about today, because the gospel, the good news, is an amazing story of the sinless life and the sacrificial death and the powerful resurrection of the historical person known as Jesus from Nazareth. And many of us have heard this story, and some of us have heard it basically our entire life, and some of you maybe just recently heard it. But hopefully, we'll all come together this morning with one heart, one soul, one mind, and all of our strength, as the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and to the Gentile. You know what? My first sermon, <laughs> I had to, when I was ordained uh, in ministry at my home church in Greenwood Christian Church in Indiana, they, they had the person who was going to be ordained and to, to be a preacher to preach a sermon. Now, my home church is big. It, at that time, when I was there, it ran about 900 people. Uh, and we were all in this one service, and then we started going to multi-services, and when I went to college, it got all the way up around 2,100 people, large church. So here you have a 20-year-old young man 
after the, you know, my home church minister, Shane Rutherford, uh, has been in our church for 23 years, and he is just an amazing preacher. Um, so he, he invites everybody who wants to stay to after service for the ordination. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, everybody's going to just leave, and it's going to be my mom and my family and a few friends. 700 people stayed for my ordination service. I was scared out of my mind, all right? How many of y'all remember the Micro Machine Man? Do y'all remember the Micro Machine, the little cars? Where Nobody remembers the Micro Machines? Thank you so much. And you remember the guy that got on the commercial? And remember when he did the commercial and how fast he talked? He did like that? That's exactly the way the sermon was. And this was the scripture verse I used for that sermon. I mean, I had a beautiful three-point perfected. I mean, I worked on this sermon for four months. And I got up there to preach it. And I was sweating. I had, I was pitting so bad, it came through not only my dress shirt, came through my suit jacket. I mean, you could wring out the sweat. That's how bad it was. And I got up there and I just threw up on 700 people and I talked like this micro machine. Man, I just threw up and threw out. I didn't actually throw up. I wanted to, but that's what my sermon, I just went, blah. And it was this passage of scripture that I preached from. And, uh, and I remember this Grandma Shirley. She was the sweetest little lady in our church, and, and she was awesome. She sent me cookies when I was at Johnson Bible College. Uh, she was this great lady. She came out, and she, I was shaking. Shane made me shake these people's hands as they were walking out the door. I mean, I'm still pitting, and I'm still sweating, and I'm like, what just happened, you know? I got ordained. I don't know what happened. I'm 20 years old and scared out of my mind. And Grandma Shirley was the last one out, and she came out, and she patted my little hand. She goes, don't worry, honey. They have to get better from that one. That's what she told me. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go than up. <laughs> yeah. So when I saw this passage of Scripture, I thought, how beautiful it is. So this is the basis of our series, the good news. The good news has power to transform our lives. I mean, seriously, there is no way when I was 16 years old that you could have convinced me that I'd be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ today. It transformed my life. It, it, it has the power to do all this. And now today with me in Valentine's Day, do you, you might be wondering what the good news has to do with Valentine's Day. Nothing really, but today actually fits perfectly into the theme of the good news because Valentine's Day is all about love. And so is the gospel. And in fact, uh, to those of you who grew up in church, you might remember a little chorus we used to sing. We'd even sing it in a round. We don't do it anymore, uh, mainly because it's really cheesy, but the chorus went, love, 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 love. The gospel is the word of love. Love your neighbor as your brother. Love, love, love. I don't know if you all remember that little tune, but if you summed up the gospel of Jesus Christ in one word, it would be a love. In fact, the Bible is the ultimate love story about God's love for, for all of us. And in fact, if you remember what Jesus said in John 13, uh, right before he was to be handed over to be beaten and crucified, he's meeting in an upper room with his disciples. And here's what he tells them. He says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I don't know about you all, but I do believe our world is in desperate need of people not only just talking to people about Jesus, but showing them who Jesus is. We need to love each other. And, you know, uh, you ever get to that relationship level with, 
someone and that deep love that you can just joke and rip on each other and you know no one's going to get mad? You ever get to that point? Oh, you need a couple of friends like mine, all right? Because I've got a couple of friends that just, just will just love on me and I'm thankful. You know, last night we're sitting around with my group of buddies and and everybody's expressing love. We just ate a great meal. And then uh, Ruth, you know, Ruth over there working in the nursery, she also sets up our communion every Sunday. I thank Ruth for that. She sends a little note out to her daughter, Amanda, do you think we need more communion juice tomorrow? And we were just, I was like, well, probably we need some more. I don't know. I, I, I didn't check uh, from last Sunday. And then we just kind of joked back with her and said, why don't we just get a bottle of wine and then we'll have real communion next tomorrow. And you know what Ruth said? Well, maybe Russ's sermon might be more enjoyable to get through. That's the kind of level that you get to when you love people. Little did she know she was going to have to listen to my sermons before she could hit the wine. Now, I'm just, now you're all thinking, man, communion is going to be awesome. Don't worry. It's grape juice today, everybody. Just calm down. All right? But, you know, when you get to that level, you know someone loves you, right? I, I, I genuinely know that maybe she means that. There's probably truth in that. <laughs> but... But at the same time, I know that she loves me enough that she can joke with me. And, 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 and that's one level of love. But the kind of level of love that we read in the gospel is even deeper than that. So the good news, the story of love, is being told on Valentine's Day. And the gospel has the power to transform us. The good news should be so transforming in our lives, it should transform the way that we are, uh, treat our spouses, the way that we treat our friends, the way that we treat our coworkers, our neighbors, and even the way we treat the people we know that don't like us. That's the kind of power that this love of the gospel can do. Because listen to this, and I believe this phrase, because how you live is what you believe. Can I say that again? Because how you live is really ultimately what you believe, isn't it? How you live your life is really, truly at the core of what you're saying you believe. And in fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you've heard it that was once said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then in verse 46, he says, if you love those who only love you, what reward will that get? Ruth? No, he didn't say that, but that's what he should have said. All right. He says, aren't even the tax collectors doing that? It's easy to love the people that like you and you like them, right? But that's not the kind of love that we're talking about here, the transformative love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how we treat one another, especially how we treat with those who we disagree with, speaks volumes about how our lives have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, especially last year, I've witnessed some pretty awful comments on social media. Again, you, you know my term for that, Facebook tough. There's a lot of Facebook tough people that would never say what they say on Facebook to another person in their face because they're, they would get punched right in the nose where I'm from. I don't know. Throat punch. I mean, it, you know, things would be settled, but you can't even do that anymore. Can't have a good scrap in the, in the parking lot, you know, because you're afraid somebody's going to pull a gun on somebody. Isn't that true? I mean, I would love to take Britt out there and just tell him what I really think and watch him wax me up and down that parking lot because I'd get one in and that'd be it, all right? But I couldn't do that anymore because Britt probably shoot me. He's crazy. Cray, cray. (laughs) But this is is not the command that Jesus gives us to take each other out in the parking lot and wear each other out. 
He doesn't say, go on Facebook and tell someone off. You know what he tells you? When someone strikes one cheek, what are you to do? Turn the other one. When someone insults you or persecutes you for his namesake, he says, that means that you're one of his disciples. We need to be used to this and still love people. Paul would tell Timothy that the goal of the teaching of his love, the goal of all teaching of, of Jesus is love. In fact, he says in 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of the command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. The goal, of, you can have all the knowledge and all the understanding of the world and still not love, you're still not understanding the gospel. He also says to the Colossian believers, there's hope for them. And his goal was this in Colossians 2.2. He says, they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Then he told the believers in Rome to do this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love one another. Forever loves others has fulfilled the law, Romans 13 and 8. Then the apostle Peter made his appeal in 1 Peter 1.22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you may have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply and from the heart. And see, we don't have to go through all the verses by the Apostle John and all of his letters to find out his central topic was love. For instance, in 1 John 3.11, he said this, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. We should what? Love one another. That's what he says in 1 John 3.11. Needless to say, the New Testament, really the, the entire Bible, has a lot to say about love. Many people are referred to Scripture as the love letter from God. So this is the good news that we need to share. This is the good news that we need to be filled with. And this is the good news that has the power to transform the way that we see others and the way that we see our world. Now, if you've been to very many weddings, you probably heard of the 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter recited. The author is the Apostle Paul, and he leads into this chapter by saying this, 1 Corinthians 12 31. Before you even get to 1 Corinthians 13, listen to what Paul says. Yet I will show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? And then he'll go on. And so we are going to use 1 Corinthians 13 for this sermon series. And let's look at the very first couple ones of these verses, but here's your first point of uh, the sermon this morning. Love is not optional. It's essential right? We, we don't have an option. I mean, I would like to, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm just a human, just like everybody else. There's certain people I'd say, I, I don't, I don't really want to love this person. I really don't even want to like them, right? But for a Christ follower, we don't have that option. Love is not optional. It's essential to who we are. And let's look at these verses. First Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse one says, if I speak in the tongues of men, or of angels, and do not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You know what he's saying there? You're just a blowhard. (laughs) You're just a loudmouth. That's what he's saying by that verse. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my, my body over to hardship so that I can boast, but do not love, I gain nothing. 
You could be the smartest, wealthiest, most attractive, strongest, most powerful, coolest person in the world. Sounds a lot like me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you all weren't ready for that one, were you? All right. But even if you're the most mean-spirited, vindictive person, I'm not going to tell you who that one is. Uh, even if you do all those things and you do not love, you're just making a bunch of noise and you're accomplishing nothing. Rick Warren sums up these verses in 1 Corinthians 13, and he says this, God is saying, I can be as eloquent as the greatest person to ever give a speech. I can have all the knowledge of a genius level. I can have the faith of a miracle worker. I can have the generosity of a philanthropist. I can have the dedication of a martyr, but if I don't love, it doesn't count. Did you get that? We can be the best of who you are, the best you, and if you don't love, it doesn't matter. You see, good news has to transform us, and the good news of the gospel is love. I love how the message translates these verses. Look at these verses. This, I like when I do Bible study, I like reading. I like studying out of the New American Standard. That's just my personal favorite. Uh, the reason is it's, it's more closely uh, translated right from the Greek language but it's hard to read. I'll just be honest with you. So we do a lot of our those verses that you see, the focus verses and stuff. That's in the NIV. That's a good translation. I like the New Living Translation. The message is kind of like trying to bring the Bible in modern day language. It's fun to read, but it's not as accurate as it can be. But listen to how it describes these verses. The message, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence, angelic ecstasy, uh, and, and don't love, I am nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all the mysteries and making everything plain as day, if I have the faith uh, that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I do not love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I do not love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. I love that. Bankrupt. That means nothing. You don't have anything. I'm bankrupt without love. Right in the middle of the paragraph identifies the attributes of love and makes it clear that this, this is point number two this morning, love is not primarily emotional, but it's intentional. You know, that's the thing that I think we see too much on TV is that love is portrayed very emotional. You know, oh, look, the love story. I mean, we all get suckered into it, guys. We have to watch a romantic comedy here and there. We have to watch, you know, Adam Sandler, you know, the Lincoln Car guy and some chick, and they always break up and they get back together. Drew Barrymore is out on the pitcher's mound. And it makes it really tough to do Valentine's Day when you watch a rom-com like that. Doesn't it, guys? Can we just be honest, you know? You know, I mean, your box of chocolates from Walgreens just is not living up to that level, you know. And so every year around this time, you're watching movies that you don't like, even though when there's great sports events on. But you do it anyways because you love, right? Love has the power to transform us. And if you don't do it, you won't eat. So that's just the facts, all right? So uh, what I'm saying here is that we watched a movie last night. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and here we are in this movie, uh, 
right in the middle of it, and there's all this lovey-dovey scene, you know, and I can tell when it gets right to that lovey-dovey scene because she, she just rolls right up on top of you, right? And you're like, that's all emotional driven, you know? I mean, I'm sitting here going through my sermon during this rom-com, you know? I'm like, you need to listen to point two, and you're going to be in children's ministry. But it's all, but that's the way that, that's the way that the world works. That's the, what we see on TV. Uh, when we see love, it's emotionally driven, not intentional. And what's the difference? I think over the years, we've been sort of programmed to think love is this involuntary feeling. It's an infatuation. And like it's uncontrollable, spontaneous emotion that just sweeps us off our feet. We even say, I fell in love, just like it accidentally happened. I wasn't looking for it, but I fell in love. Popular songs have contributed to this. Songs like, I can't help falling in love with you. Really, it's about 99% of all love songs deal with it at an emotional level. But will you listen to the section of 1 Corinthians 13? You hear it a lot at the weddings, but let's try to really listen with fresh ears this morning and hearts. Notice how many of these virtues have nothing to do with emotion and has everything to do with an intentional action. Listen, verse four, love is patient. Love is what? Kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. I've never heard Drew Marymore say that, right? I've never heard, you know, 50 first dates with Adam Sandler and they break up. Yeah, I never see that. You don't see those words. It's all like, oh, yeah. Now, I'd love for some of you to go back and read this section. Instead of saying love, put in your own name. So for illustration purposes alone, Brit, it's just your day. I'm going to read it like this. Brit is patient. Brit is kind. Brit does not envy. Brit does not boast. Brit is not proud. Brit does not dishonor others. Brit is not self-seeking. Brit is not easily angered. Brit keeps no record of wrongs. Brit does not delight in evil. Brit does not rejoice. He always rejoices with truth. Brit always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Brit never fails. I got to tell you, reading this kind of makes me sick. I mean, just to be honest, Brit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. And Candy's agreeing with me for some reason. I don't know why. But, man, when, if you did that and put your name in there, how many of you all would feel like, man, I got a long ways to go when it comes to love? Don't worry, Britt, I would. I just wanted to pick on you today. I want to see if you will whip me in the parking lot. I'll get my gun. <laughs> now, there's, that's, that's powerful. But the kind of love that we're talking about in the Bible is agape, unconditional love. It's the kind of love that never fails. Emotions, they fluctuate, right? Please tell me your emotions fluctuate. Can we at least be honest in church for once? Here today, our emotions fluctuate, don't they? Woohoo! If you don't think they fluctuate, I'm not even going there. All right. I hope Scotty is helping the teens to understand that, that emotions fluctuate, all right? Because they do. I mean, our emotions can turn as quickly as a haircut, right? Our emotions can turn as quickly as 
some product that you were, saw on TV and you thought if you went out and bought this, your life would be totally different, right? How many juicers are in America with the guy with the eyebrows that are that long, right? It, 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 you think, oh, this is going to change my life. We ride emotions. But this kind of love is not the kind of love that rides emotions. Once again, here's how the message translates these verses. And listen to how the message says it. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't uh, strut. <laughs> I like that one. Love doesn't strut, right? It doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. I like that one too. Doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. Doesn't reveal, uh, doesn't revel in others' grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. If you think of that word that describes it best, probably in there, is unselfish. And that is the good news of Jesus. You know, Jesus had all power and authority when he was here on earth. You know? You guys are going to have to help me with this. It just popped in my head. And I can't think of the name of the movie. Eddie Murphy, uh, The Golden Child. There it is. Do you remember when he went and he saw that little Buddhist boy and he could touch that bird and the bird came back to life? That was just a movie, right? But Jesus had all power and authority. You realize that, right? He could walk on water. I mean, seriously, if, if I was Jesus, I mean, anytime I saw a lake, I'd just like, Shoot. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and if you wanted to like, yeah, I'd like to have an apple right now. Whack, you know, you know, I mean, that's, that's why I'm not Jesus, <laughs> you know? But he never did that. Jesus never strutted his stuff. He never used his power and authority to that level. He always did what he did because it was out of motivation, out of love, and it was out of the benefit of someone else. So finally, in this last paragraph, we learn this. Love is not temporal, but it's eternal. Amen? And here's what we read. But where there, will be, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. When there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, this, what is, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childhood behind me. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror then we'll see face to face. Now we know in part, then, I'll show, then I shall fully, no, I'm sorry, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. That's what he says later in 1 Corinthians 13, face to face, prophecies will cease. Political leaders and powerful kingdoms will fall away. What is important in this world that we think is so important will pass. What we try to hold so desperately onto will all one day fade away. Earth, what we see here, is clouded and cloudy, just like West Virginia weather for the last three weeks, right? Where is the sun? Has anybody seen it? That is why if we are followers of Christ, we are being transformed by the good news and we walk by faith and not by sight. What I'm saying is 
don't always look at the situation for how bad it is, but look and see what God's going to do through it. Um, I want you guys to do something today, or this sometime this week. Write down this name or put it in your phone. E.V. Hill. E. Period. V. Period. Hill. He was an African-American preacher in the inner city of Los Angeles in the 1900s. During the Watts riots in L.A., he, he, he talked straight to both sides. That's what I like about this dude. He was talking to both sides, and he talked straight. As a result, his life was threatened on occasion. One day, he received a credible report that anarchists were plotting to bomb his car. The next morning, when Pastor Hill awakened, his wife was not by his side. He called for her, but she did not respond. Then he looked out and noticed that the car was gone, and he became very concerned. A few minutes later, his wife drove back in the driveway, and he demanded of her, woman, what are you doing? She said, I was just got to thinking that this community needs you more than it needs me. And if they were going to rig that car to be bombed, I wanted it to be me and not you. E.V. Hill humbly reported, I always knew my wife loved me, but I understood on that day what love was all about. That's powerful. I asked Tanya, <laughs> if you're brave enough, guys, <laughs> we may want to hold off on that one. I don't know how you all are living on Valentine's Day, but but she, she not only told him that she loved him, she showed it. You know, I always say, technically, if you look up the word love, it's a noun. But ultimately, the only way that we truly understand love is if we put it in action as a verb. You know, you can tell someone you love them, but reality comes down to you want someone to show that, right? And you don't just want it to show on Valentine's Day, right, ladies? So, guys, you got to step up your game, you know. If you want to know how a guy like me is married for 24 years, I put in work every day. And I'm glad to put in that work to show Tanya I love her. She got a new haircut. Did you all see? Taylor told me this morning, he goes, I, what did, when she walked in, what did you say? I know, and I said, you know, here's what I said. I was like, he, he actually said, I am not convinced that you have the, the ability to say the right thing when your wife comes in with the haircut. Taylor, I got game, baby. I said all the right things. I was like, wow, that's the greatest haircut I've ever seen in my life. Because a man with no hair has nothing to say when his wife comes in with a haircut, right? You just go along with it. But I've always said that when my wife goes and gets her hair done, it's like a new woman walking through the door because you never know what you're going to get. It is truly Forrest Gump level type of love. It's like a box of chocolates, right? Listen, so Taylor, did I do the right thing or not? <laughs> He's back there dying laughing. He's like, you still don't get it. I'm happily married. I think Tanya is today as well. Listen, but love, it doesn't matter how many times you tell each other you love each other. My grandparents um, were married 58 years before grandpa passed away. They knew each other for 68 years. They grew up right across the road from each other. And they were together when they started dating uh, for, I think, 64 years, and they broke up for one day. And I had to ask when I was about 12 years old, and I remember this. I said, Grandma and Grandpa, you always say that you were dating 64, you've been married 58. 
and you say you broke up for one day. I said, what happened on that day? Well, Earl, you tell the boy. <laughs> That's what she said. And uh, my grandpa said, well, he said, your grandma wanted me to take her to the movies one night, and this other girl that just moved in wanted me to take her to the movies. And he said, your grandma and I have been dating for about two months at this point. And he said, so I called her and said that my aunt had died. And so grandma decided to go to the movies with a couple of her girlfriends that night. And there three rows in front was grandpa with his arm around this new girl. <laughs> Fred's liking that one. Have you tried that one, Fred? Is that why you're laughing? I remember this about my grandparents. They could fight like cats and dogs. But then they'd be like an hour later over there smooching on each other. And it was just gross as a kid, you know, watching. And he, he'd look at me and say, boy, the best, part, the best part of fighting was making up. And I was like, oh, stop. You know, they wouldn't go to bed without being angry with one another. I would hear them even until, I mean, it was getting close to when grandpa was passing away. And, and I had to spend some nights at their, at their house as a young adult. Um, and I was in the other bedroom down the hall, and I would hear them say, I love you, baby. I love you, honey. And I remember that from a little kid from the time I was six till I was like 21 years old. That's love. Because in those times, there was probably emotions during those days, and I saw the highs and the lows. But I ultimately witnessed what true love looks like between a man and a woman. But the kind of love that we're talking about here goes greater than that. Paul concludes this chapter by saying this. Listen to verse 13. Now, these three will remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of all these is what? Love. Love is not an option if you're a Christian, remember? You don't get to pick and choose or whom you will love. It's essential. Love's not a feeling if you're a Christian. It doesn't come and go according to how you feel. Love is an action. And remember, love is not temporal. It is eternal. And Jesus said it in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Have the right political convictions? Is that what he's going to say? Know all the right answers, have a PhD, can figure out the Greek language so you can interpret the Bible better? No, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you do what? Love one another. If you're a, general follow, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, our lives have been transformed by the good news of Jesus, then it's time for us to grow up and act like it. The gospel is summed up in one word. It is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look, friends, it's not just because it's Valentine's Day, but this is the heart of our new series the good news. If you had to sum up the good news and you're talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus, please use the word love. Because what sent Jesus to the cross wasn't just an act of obedience. It wasn't just a duty. It wasn't just that he had to go and do it to fulfill what God told him to do. He did it because he loved us. Love for Jesus was an action. It is an action. And love for the Christ follower should be an action. So don't just go around talking to people about how much you love them. Show them how much you love them. Will you pray with me?
Father, as we get ready to enter into our time of communion, I pray that as we gather around the table today, when we hold the emblems, when we hold the grape juice and the bread, that God, we're not just doing this as a ritual. We're not just doing this lightly, but we're doing it with the heart that's convinced and assured of this very fact. That when we hold those emblems that represent your body and your blood, we see that love wasn't just something Jesus talked about. But love was something that Jesus did and put it in action. Even to death on a cross. And Lord, when we read from Genesis to the book of Revelation, we see your deeply and desperate commitment to love your creation. God, it's not that we love you first. Nope. You loved us first. And we respond in that. God, I remember the days of the preaching and the teaching of hellfire and damnation. And people came to Christ because they were afraid that if they didn't, they would burn in hell. And there's truth to be found in that. But God starting a relationship on the terms of fear, well, that relationship is not one that's going to be built for eternity. But the one that's built on love, well, that's awesome. Because as you fall more and more in love with one another, you, you begin to laugh with one another. You begin to forgive one another. You begin to mold, as the word says, they no longer shall be two separate, but will become one flesh. And God, when you really break down the New Testament, the purest example of the relationship that Christ has with this church, Paul describes it as a bride and a bridegroom. That's how deeply, how intimately you want to love us. And God, our world is desperate for that kind of love. So as we move into the time of communion and time into decision, I pray for everyone who's here today and who's listening at home. I don't want them just to feel loved. I want them to know that they are loved. Because what we truly believe in is what how we behave. Bless the decision time. Bless our communion time. We pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said.